Welcome to the Touchdown with Aaron Masamola. And today we change the conversation quite slightly and we move on to track and field athletics, one of the sports that many South Africans truly, truly love. We're focusing on the local region, which is Bloemfontein, and we are talking to an inspirational young athlete that has so much lying ahead of her. And when you look at her past journey, there is so much to celebrate and to acknowledge that we as South Africans are truly proud of. Now we saw her in 2016 at the Paralympics competing in the 1,500 meters and also in, 20, in 2017 we saw her at the World Championship. A local athlete with a lot of talent. Her name is Luzon Kutsia. Luzon, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Beautiful. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. That's I think good. I'm doing slightly better than you. I know that you just this morning had a nice, tough training <laughs> session. How are the legs yeah. feeling? Oh, uh, no, I'm sitting with my legs up, so you can just imagine. No, my legs are a bit tired. We had a hill session today, um, but it, 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 I'm, I, we survived, so we're on the other side now. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. I love the, the term that you use there that you survived because sometimes I know that those athletic sessions can be quite taxing as well. So well done to you for just getting through that session this morning. I would love Thank to you. I would love to get into your journey a little bit. Can you maybe just tell us a little mm. bit more about the condition that you were born with and especially your journey to discovering the sport of athletics? Okay. Well, um, I was born with a, a medical condition. Uh, I and in my eyes called the congenital Leber's amaurosis, which basically, in essence, means that my retinas didn't develop properly during during my mom's pregnancy. And this usually is a is a condition that happens because of my mom and my dad are carriers of a gene that causes the. Um, sorry, I'm not very I'm not very good with the the, the medical terms, but that causes the condition, but it's not a genetically transferable disease. So it's, it's not something that's a condition. So it's not something that I will um, give to my, 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 my children. Um, I always say it's like it was basically just an anomaly in my family. It was coincidental that both my parents had the gene. Um, so, so when I was a baby at first, my mom, my parents didn't realize what was happening and that I, that I couldn't see. Um, and when they took me for my first checkup, my first pediatric checkup, then they realized that there was something wrong with my eyes. Um, so then with a lot of research and a lot of support, um, my mom and dad decided to send me to school in Worcester, which is in the Western Cape. It's a school especially for the for blind people. Um, so I went to Pioneer School for the Blind, and then I actually came back to study at UFS in 2012. It sounds like ages ago. Um, but so I came back and studied at the UFS. And um, there I actually randomly participated in the first year's athletics purely because um, we were actually in a first-year meeting. And um, I don't know if you were in res, but, you know, those first-year meetings carry on until very late. And they were looking for participants for athletics. And I was just hoping that this meeting could end. So I just volunteered my name. Um, and then I went and participated in the 100 meters at the first year's athletics at the UFS. And thankfully, I didn't come last. So my RC Sports wanted me to get coaching. And um, so I actually started running in my first year very seriously. At school, I, I never used to be very serious about sports. Um, 
I, I you know, I jumped here and there, and I, I would try out for like the the school team for for um, athletics or whatever. But I was never very serious. I never sort of achieved national levels of oh. athletics. Um, and so then I, I, I started at the end of my first year, I seriously started running with a coach, my first coach, Rufus Puerta. And then in my second year, I went to my first national championships and that's where the whole, everything started. Oh, absolutely beautiful. And I love the fact that you mention your, your coach and the supporting staff around mm. you. We all know that in athletics and in any sport for that matter, the support structure around you is incredibly important. I'd love for you to maybe just touch on your parents. How important were they in your journey to identify this beautiful um, young a girl and say that she's got a lot of talent, she's got potential, and we would love to support her on this journey? How important have, have they been, but also your co- your your coaches and those people around you you know i i wouldn't have been able to do this without friends and coaches and guides and parents that really really supported me along the way um and i definitely think most of the most of the tribute actually goes to them um (laughs) i my parents have always been sort of They've never sort of they've always they've always taught me to you know be free. They never tried to to make me into something that I was not, or they've never tried to limit me and and set boundaries for me that I couldn't cross. They always, as a, even as a young child, you know, they would let me play where I wanted to play, how I wanted to play, um, and they would never be uh, never. Be, I think they were probably scared, but they would never say, "Oh gosh, don't do this or don't do that." So my parents have always sort of you know, nurtured nurtured me and my sister as as people who just develop themselves. And um, for me, I think that played a huge role in, you know, realizing my potential, even me, you know, realizing that I want to run because because they, they taught me that life was limitless, you know, and that you can you can achieve whatever you want to achieve despite your challenges. Um so so no, they are absolutely, absolutely important and um my 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 parents when I was a young girl they they made a lot of effort in terms of you know getting me to occupational therapy helping me to overcome challenges and and possible hindrances of not being able to see um, and I think that up till today has helped me so much in my athletic career but also you know just as in in my development as a human being. Absolutely beautiful. And I love the fact that they were there to support you and to guide you. And moving slightly to your sport, athletics, I think for Mm. many people, athletics is a very simple sport. You literally just stand up and you start running. But for you, it's somewhat of a team sport where you have to to rely and be dependent on a guide. And that's an incredibly Mm. important relationship of trust. Can you maybe just explain your discipline in terms of athletics and how important that relationship is between you and your guide so i compete in the t11 classification for the paralympics so there are three different i classes um t11 t12 and t13 the t stands for track and then the the number so 11 12 and 13 stands for the severity of the 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 eyesight of the disability in question. So T11, so the higher, the, lo- the lowest number means the, the most severe classification. So in this case, T11 means totally blind athletes. So I, I compete in that category or that classification of disability sport. 
and this means that I have to compete with a guide because I, I wear a blindfold when I compete as well. So I, I run with uh, somebody next to me, and we are tethered together by a little band with two handles on each, like a handle on each side. Um, and we have to stay in sync and run in sync the whole the whole race through. Um, usually, my guide would give me visual, uh, will give me, well, would would verbalize his visual, like what he, what his surroundings and what he's experiencing and seeing on the field or on the track. Um, and and I w- will have to sort of ha- try and direct him, but he. Basically, the the race decision making is often his decision making because um, he's the one who's, who's seeing what's happening around him on the track, you know. Um, so there's got to be a great degree of of trust involved on the track and on the road um, because you you have to um, trust the person you're running with. Um, and and therefore you have to be able to ha- keep open lines of communication. It's literally literally like a team sport, where you know members of the same team have to trust each other to know that the other person is going to give their best no matter what, no matter what the outcome is. Um, you you yourself probably being an, an athlete would also know that you know you get more opportunity to talk when you're running on the road. So, so it's easier to communicate when you do races like marathons and half marathons. But when you're doing track events, it's not that easy. So your track, you really have to rely on your track guide to be sharp in in what he notices and what he what he sees, and to respond immediately to what he he is seeing and and what's happening around you. So it's it's definitely it's a it's a very it's a relationship with a very deep dynamic in that sense almost because you, you I'm literally trusting the guide with the future of my athletic career. Yeah. Wow. Talk about trust, hey? That's absolutely beautiful. And I think it also increases the possibility of you being successful if your guide has the vision for you on the track and off the track because, as you do mention, he's almost leading your career every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. And it is literally a team sport. Absolutely beautiful. And I'm certain that you have a few guides that you would possibly like to thank or celebrate and people that have supported you. Who are some of the guides that have worked with you in the past few years? Uh, okay, that's very cool. I've run with uh, first my first guide was a female. Um, her name was Runai, and she was actually the only female that competed as a guide alongside all my competitors. So they were all males, and she was the only female at that point, which was very interesting. Um, after her, I ran with a guy, a very great guy called Khotatsu Mukuni. Um, he's fondly known as Serge amongst the athletic community in the Free State. He himself is a very, very good road runner with a sub-13 minute 10K PB. And, yeah, he's just a fantastic human being, um, such an inspiration. And so so um, he's such a hard worker. I really have the world's respect for him. And he's taught me a lot about athletics. And he's just he's just a great friend as well. Um, at the moment, I'm running with two guides, one for road, Klaus Kempen. He... Um, yeah, he's my he's my marathon, half marathon kind of guide for more road running specific events. He is also a great athlete. Um, has done I think about thirteen comrades marathons, a lot of oceans, ultras. He's a great human being as well, good friend. I sound like I don't know, but okay. Um, 
So, um, and then I also around it with Xavier uh, Adams, who is a, an army, he's a parabat in the army. Um, and he, at the moment, is doing my track running with me. So he's doing the faster stuff. Um, and he's also a fantastic guy, full of energy and full of positivity. Um, so, no, I really, and I also have great training partners who I also run with when my guides um, sort of are injured or cannot assist on the particular day. Um, so I have I have other training partners who I would also just love to send a shout-out to um, I really, really have been blessed with a great athletic family. Um, I, I've, I'm honestly, I actually don't even have words to say how much they mean to me. Um, you know, just the sacrifices they make and the willingness to assist, um, it's really inspirational for me. Absolutely beautiful. And I think that's such an important part of the journey as well, just to acknowledge and to be grateful for the support that they've given you. So I'm really happy that you've had people that are there to support you and guide you throughout your journey. But I would now like to talk about two very specific moments in your athletics journey. And that's, of course, the 2016 Paralympics and the 2017 World Championships. Tell us a little bit um, about these two important events in your career and how does it feel as an athlete to compete at the highest level? Um, okay, so 2016 was a bit of a crazy year. It was sort of, it's always been the vision to, to go to the Paralympics in 2020. And when I was selected for the 2016 team, it was, it was a bonus, um, you know, and it was, I'm very glad I went and I, I definitely believe there's a reason that I went there. Um, even if only it was to, you know, learn more about the rules, um, but so in 2016, me and Serge were disqualified out of the heat um, because of a technicality. Um, and it was it wasn't difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was a difficult time for both of us. I think we were both very shocked. You know, you don't go to a competition expecting to be um, disqualified, especially not like the Paralympics. Like, who, you know, like who, who would expect that to happen? Um, and so I think we were both in a bit of shock in the beginning. Um, and looking back, looking back on the moment, I think what I learned from it was that, um, you know, anything can happen and you need to be prepared for any, any type of situation. Um, and obviously that kind of situation has now led, learned, like led me to read up more about how to appeal and how appeals work, how to, because I don't, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that there's there's quite strict, there's very strict timelines. Like you can't appeal after 30 minutes, there's and you have to make a verbal appeal, then it's an official appeal. So there's there's a whole lot of rigmarole, you know, that you have to go through in order to appeal a decision like a disqualification. Um, and I think it was good for me to sort of get shocked into the fact that I need to know how this works if it happens again. Um, I. My outlook on it is, at the moment, is like I'm not afraid of disqualification anymore because I do believe that um, I never, I would never run in a race, you know, meaning to get disqualified. So I, I believe that there would always be um, a kind of a, I would always be able to appeal a disqualification because I, I run with good intentions and and I think my guides and I, we all. We run with good intentions, and we we don't want to do things that con- are considered cheating. Um, so I'm I'm not really afraid of disqualification anymore. Um, but after Rio, sort of, 
you know, we had to, Surgeon I was speaking and we had to, um, you know, get a way to channel this into a more positive thing than just, you know, you were quali- you were disqualified at the Olympic, like the Paralympics. That's, I mean, because that's, that's what a lot of people saw it as. Um, and, and we decided to use it as an opportunity, you know, to teach the public about disability sport and to teach the public that um, it's not just a matter of pitching up and running with a, with a partner or with a guide. It's, uh, there are rules in place and there are things that you have to adhere to as a para-athlete that I don't think, like the public doesn't realize that there are so many rules involved. Um, so, so it was an ideal opportunity, you know, for us to sort of teach teach the, the broader public, you know, how how disability sport works a little bit. Um, so, well, that's with regards to 2016. Um, going back in 2017 to World Championships, I think when, I, when we got there, I realized there was a lot of emotions that I hadn't worked through in terms of what happened in Rio. Um, but... But 2017 was good. I think it was a good year, and it was a thrilling final, and it was great to be a part of that final. Um, and I think it was there that I realized, you know, I can actually really, really compete with these girls. I don't need to stand back. Um, I'm just as good as they are. Um, and it, it, it was a good, it was a good championship. I think I've got fond memories of London. It was, it was great. Absolutely beautiful. And I have to admit that. Throughout all of these challenges, you have stood up as a strong lady, as a strong athlete, and we as South Africans are incredibly proud of you, and we are incredibly proud of your journey. You mentioned the challenges, and you mentioned some of the highs as well, (laughs) and sports is an incredibly difficult thing, and sometimes to perform at the highest level, you need additional support, you need additional Mm -hmm. structures and people that are leading you to success. There are many Mm -hmm. young athletes that would love to reach the highest level as you have reached before. What message of inspirational support would you like to share with that athlete that is hearing your voice right now that may be in two minds about their career and would simply Mm. like a little bit of encouragement along their journey? I think that's a very, like, difficult question because, you know, I can answer you and say, um, you know, after each fall, you just need to get back up again, but that's corny and it's not like the reality is that a lot of people along the way just give up um, because I think the reality is that when you when you when you're going towards competing at the top and when you're competing there, it's, there's a lot of pressure, you know, from the media, from society, from uh, like even like people close to you, you know, they, there's a lot of pressure that you have to deal with. Um, and I think for me, sport initially started as I I do sport because I want to be healthy. Firstly. I want to be a healthy human being. I want to be able to live long. I want to be, I don't want to get comorbidities. So for me, I think finding a reason you do sport besides the prestige, besides the, um, you know, the fame or the, the fortune or the whatever you, you, you after, you know, because ultimately that gold medal is just a medal. It's not, it's, it's, it's a great thing to have, but it's not going to be, it's, it's something in time, you know, and, and society and performance goals drive that, you know, that if you're not one, two or three, you're not a winner, but 
ultimately, I think if you compete and you, you are there, you're a winner, you know. And um, just to sort of take that focus away from getting that focus away from um, the societal like ideals of performance and sort of getting your own focus for why you're doing what you're doing and not just um, not just being motivated by the fame or the fortune or the the car or the nice clothes or the sponsorships. Because ultimately, those things are are, are time bound, and and you don't you're not always gonna you're not always gonna have a good race. You're not always gonna have a good day. And on those bad days, you need to know what's motivating you besides those things. Oh, absolutely beautiful! Uh, I love what you mentioned because that inspiration and that fuel for your passion, which is any particular sport, should come from within. It shouldn't come from the gold medals. It shouldn't come from the podium itself. Luzon Kutsia, I would simply like to thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. But most importantly, I appreciate the amazing work that you're doing on and off the field in terms of being an athlete and in terms of being such an incredible inspiration for so many young and old athletes throughout South Africa as well. Thank you so much for all the amazing things that you do and most importantly, thank you for being such a great ambassador for sports throughout South Africa. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. Um, and thank you for having me. It's really been a privilege to speak to you and to just share some of my journey.